When Buddha was alive, he said to the Kalamas, Now look you Kalamas, be not misled by report or tradition or hearsay. Be not misled by proficiency in the collections, nor by reason of logic, nor after reflection on and approval of some theory, nor because it conforms with one's inclination, nor out of respect for the prestige of a teacher. But Kalamas, when you know for yourself, these things are unwholesome, these things are blameworthy, these things are censured by the intelligent, these things when practiced and observed conduce to loss and sorrow, then indeed do ye reject them. But if at any time you know of yourselves, these things are wholesome, they are blameless, they are praised by the intelligent, these things when practiced and observed conduce to welfare and happiness, then Kalamas, do ye, having practiced them, abide therein. Many longtime listeners know that our podcast platform was initially focused on interviews about the many spiritual paths that Myanmar offers meditators and monastics. But when the coup hit, we couldn't in good conscience continue to tell those stories with many monastic sites on fire or occupied by soldiers and the Burmese people living under the military's reign of terror. So we expanded our mission to cover a wider range of post-coup Myanmar stories. Still, some guests have a unique insight into both the intersection of the spiritual with the worldly, allowing a deeper understanding of both planes. Today's guest squarely fits in that category, as you will soon hear. Let's get to that interview now. I'm really pleased on this episode of Insight Myanmar podcast to welcome a very special guest, uh, Sunda Kin, who will be talking about her life as well as the life of her father, who was a very important figure in Burmese history, U Chan Tun. We'll be hearing a lot about him and his developments and his influence on the Burmese nation and, and people and what Sunda Kin has been doing in 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 her wake, uh, in the wake of her uh, father's legacy. So with that, Sunda, thank you so much for taking the time to join and chat with us. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. Mm, so there's so much in your life as well as your father's life. These are really two biographies to get into as well as your some of your brothers all have had uh, some some mark on Burmese history as it's passed through these past few decades. But let's get to your father first. There's many aspects of his life that are that are quite important and quite significant to talk about. Let's first of all just learn a brief biographical sketch of who he was, where he came from. If you can talk about a, a brief basic biography of your father, and then we'll get into some more detail about some of the more significant parts of his life and his work. All right. Um, to begin talking about my dad, I uh, he comes from Pyapong, a very middle-class family, and uh, he grew up, he was the only son and the youngest of um, a family of about, I think, five. And uh, he, I must say, he's a self-made uh, person because uh, he, when he went to school, he went to school in Piapo, and uh, the schools were not as good uh, for language, English, as well as other subjects as in Yango. But he he did pass 
the matriculation. Um, well, he he did not pass the matriculation there, but he he found uh, through his cousin that he could go to Sri Lanka, a salon at that time, and study at uh, the co- it's called Ananda College, and it is in Colombo. And uh, somehow uh, he managed to go to study there. And uh, he did. And when he got there, he sat for the matriculation from there. And he stood second in the whole island. And he passed the exam. And uh, he did very well. And then, of course, then he came back to to Burma, uh, to Yangon. And then he went to, after that, soon after that, again, he managed to find a way to get to the United Kingdom and to study law. And he went to the, um, I think it's the uh, law, the inner temple, I think, where he was called to, um, to become a barrister, which he did. And uh, he, he, I think his concentration was in constitutional law if I remember right. And uh, then he came back to Burma and uh, got married. And it was an arranged marriage in those days. And uh, Mm. he then began his uh, work as a lawyer. But then during that time, he was involved in the nationalist movement uh, with the Myoma National School, which was really the first school uh, that, started uh, the um, the movement uh, along with other groups. And so then he, he got involved and he did that. And at the same time, he was involved in the uh, Young Men's uh, Buddhist Association uh, of uh, Burma and uh, continued to practice law. Then in the years of the independence, um, he was called upon to um, join the independence movement, and he did. Um, but he did not, he was not a member of the uh, the then uh, group called the AFPFL, and uh, he, but he, he was on the fringes of it, and then he, uh, he was involved, as far as I know, quite a lot uh, with that, and then drawing up the constitution, but prior to that, uh, before the assassination of uh, General Aung San, and when he was called to be the constitutional advisor, uh, he he worked uh, along with General Aung San, and uh, they prior to the uh, well, the independence uh, was of course prior to that. I think it was nineteen. 19- 1948. But he, uh, what I remember very clearly was that he would have to go to the um, uh, secretariat building, which is right now in downtown Yangon, and uh, they would have these meetings, regular cabinet meetings, and he, being the constitutional advisor for the Constituent Assembly, I think, which was required by mm-hmm. uh, by England, by United Kingdom at that time, prior to uh, being, uh, being uh, giving us independence. And uh, he barely missed the assassination on that fateful day in, wow. uh, in July. Uh-huh. And uh, he 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 was supposed to be there. He always there. Sits uh-huh. on the right hand side of General Aung San, 
But uh, he, when he his car went in, uh, the uh, the people who assassinated uh, General Aung San and the cabinet members, that jeep was just coming out, and uh -huh. his car was going in. He had oh, a car wow. and a driver, and so uh, that is also another uh, very important part of, yeah. of his life. So, um, um, and then of course uh, the. Uh, as a legal uh, advisor to the then was just like a Rangoon government, I think. I don't know if they were able to control the whole country. I'm not sure about mm -hmm. all that. But uh, what I recall was that uh, he was um, the leftist movement. Uh, we had communists uh, in in Burma as well, the Burma Communist Party and so forth. And uh, uh, when he was, uh, when he had to uh, make a, a decision, I think, or rather the case that came up from the assassinators, the people who uh, Usov, for instance, uh, who who was behind uh, the assassination of General Aung San, and he was given the death penalty, and my father was the one, and they used to call him the, um, in Burmese, is Daupyo, meaning that mm -hmm. uh, you are the, uh, the, the, uh, the guillotine. They were referring to the guillotine, you know, where you are beheaded, Mm -hmm. So Daupyo means that when you when you um, uh, when you uh, do the guillotine, you know when you have to let go of that, and then and then the 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 blade or whatever comes and cuts off your head, something like that. So that's a Burmese word, and in the Burmese newspapers, he was very much uh, blind by saying that oh, this is Chanton uh, is the one who that was the capital punishment. At, I think that was the very first one. I think was given to Usol, and he was uh, he was killed. Uh, and uh, so that that part uh, was uh, very um, um, very busy part of uh, my father's life, as yeah. well as those of you know the members of the cabinet, Unu, and all the other members also, and. Uh, they were never home. They were always, you know, working, mm -hmm. uh, going to meetings and so forth. So I remember that we grew up with um, uh, people, uh, household staff who took care of us because mm. uh, my father was always gone. And my mother, who's a homemaker, actually, uh, she then got involved with the uh, Karen insurrection movement. Mm. So then... Uh, I think it wasn't safe uh, up to insane was uh, which was about I don't know how many miles, uh, maybe about ten miles away mm -hmm. from when you count from the Sule Pagoda right mm -hmm. up there. At that time, uh, my mother was involved in the uh, women's uh, amenities or something association headed by the prime minister's wife, and they had to go to insane to uh, take care of the wounded, more mm -hmm. or less because uh, there was uh, lots of fierce fighting going on and uh, right. uh, we were not safe. We had to travel with guards and uh -huh. uh, there was a lot of kidnapping going on at that time. And uh -huh. so those were very turbulent years um, yeah. for for my family and myself. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's quite an introduction, and I know that there's there's a lot more <clears throat> beyond that to explore. 
in terms of what your father would go on to do, but just uh, staying for a moment on that period and also thinking about, you know, your father was a a monumental figure in uh, post-war Burmese history and um, and and like some of the other monumental figures, Hong Song and Unu, even Ne Win, someone who grew up obviously in the colonial era and came from humble origins and through hard work and education prowess and the new opportunities that were available, both educational and professional, was able to make a pathway for himself that just simply had never existed in any previous era of Burmese history. And this was also true of his contemporaries, many of those who had found themselves in different positions doing different actions. And so I'm wondering, just to think of three names right now, these are probably the three biggest names of that period whose influence we're still shaped by, Aung San, Unu, and Ne Win. Uh, I'm wondering if your your father interacting with these three people, if... Mm -hmm. Or, or perhaps even you yourself as a child meeting these people or knowing them at some point, are, are there any indications of their personality or their character or just something that you can't glean from a book? I, I would like to start with General Aung San. I never met him, but I know that my father worked with him. And as I was saying, he was assassinated earlier on. Uh, my father was working with him. And, and then, of course, uh, he was doing the uh, prior to our independence, the um, uh, the pin loan conference, which my father uh, draft the mm-hmm. the uh, the those uh, what what was the pin loan uh, agreement. And uh, he did that. And uh, then General Aung San was assassinated. But uh, we were close with um, Do. <clears throat> Dokinji, Auntie Dokinji, uh, mm-hmm. well, when I was in, in school, uh, she was the uh, leader of the uh, Girl Scouts. Mm. And I remember Auntie Dokinji attending, uh, you know, conferences uh, somewhere around the world or something. And my parents always told me that uh, this is one person to look up too, is mm. look at this this woman and how she has achieved and so mm. forth and uh, that was uh, before she became uh, she was uh, uh, given the uh, post of uh, ambassador uh, and even before that so I knew her in my capacity as a girl guide from my my mm-hmm. school I attended mm. the um, the Methodist missionary school it's called the uh, Methodist English High School, mm-hmm. and uh, it was uh, that's where I really got my uh, my education throughout because uh, we then we had a very uh, 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 how should I say strict but not as strict as in the convent schools where I was in the kindergarten and the first second grades uh, St John's convent St Philomena's convent and and my father decided that uh, it would be best uh, to put us all the whole family there were eight of us in a school where it was not uh, focused on religion as much because mm. in the convent schools where we were we had some irish nuns as well uh, they were very strict and of course uniforms and all that but always mm-hmm. uh, the fundraising activities that were not mm-hmm. very much uh, enjoyed by my mm-hmm. parents and uh, as being a buddhist so um we were moved uh, to uh the Methodist uh, school, Methodist Missionary School, mm. and 
And although we did have to attend chapel uh, and all that, it was not something where they forced it upon us or, you know, uh, religion was was there. And uh, then I joined the um, YWCA because they had picnics and it was fun. Uh-huh. And we, we grew up with all of those uh, very good teachers and uh, mm. I would say it was strict, but it was not that where you were being regimented into anything. So that was mm. it. So Auntie Dokinji, I, I I knew her. My parents, of course, knew her and uh, mm. they see each other. But I did meet her as a girl guide. And then whenever we have any kind of jamboree or something like that, Auntie Dokinji was there. So I knew I did not know her children. And of course, uh, Susu, Aosan Suji, uh, we call her Susu. She was younger, but mm. she did attend um, the same school. But then I was already, you know, in the high school part of it. And uh, so she, um, she then, of course, her mother was assigned as ambassador. So they left the country. So mm. I really didn't know her. Yeah. But uh, Dokinji very well. Mm. Now, as for, um, you mentioned two other names, uh, General Nguyen. Uh, General Nguyen, yes, closely, because um, his, um, it would be his second wife, I think, uh, Katie, uh, is my mother's, um, I would say, cousin in English, but was mm-hmm. like, uh, uh, yeah, cousin, I would say, because her father, a leading uh, doctor, a surgeon, Dr. Bartan, uh, was related, is related to my, my mother, was related and uh, was her cousin. Mm-hmm. I think her second cousin or so, or first cousin maybe. And uh, then so Katie was my mother's cousin, but we mm-hmm. she used to call my mother auntie. So mm-hmm. uh, because of the age difference. Mm-hmm. And um, then uh, so we knew her and she went to England and all. And uh, then she was, uh, then she married uh, General, uh, General Nguyen. And then during the years, of the uh, the uh, what the military, uh, what we call the house housekeeping, you know, uh, caretaker government, as they were called. Mm-hmm. At that time, um, they were living uh, in the um, government house, which I believe now they purchased or whatever on Eighty Road. And uh, I used to go there. Uh, they would send the car, pick me up, and would go go play Scrabble, and, mm-hmm. and with uh, with him. And uh, my my cousin Mama Katie, uh, she she was uh, she studied in England. She 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 studied nursing, and and so she was uh, she's very attractive woman, and she's a very um, uh, charismatic kind of person. We all looked up to mm-hmm. her among our relatives. She's beautiful. She was very intelligent, and she could you know, talk, she spoke English, of course, fluently. And so when I went there to the house to play Scrabble, uh, I did notice one thing, of course, General uh, Nguyen did not have the same background as Mama Katie did, and of course, myself, because I went mm-hmm. to school and all that. And we would play Scrabble, and uh, we would be, he would be laying on the floor also, and we would have all these cushions and everything. And then when it came time for him, when he didn't know a word, 
uh, he said, well, he needed to be given the turn. But so we said, no, but the thing is, you have to give up that, you mm. know, turn and so on. And he, mm-hmm. he was very, uh, very much a military kind of a person. Mm-hmm. And yet um, I noticed that he would always be aware of the those uh, the household staff mostly uh, were military people and he would ask uh, mama Kitty, have have they been given lunch yet or things like that he he really cared for these people uh-huh. uh, but uh, I also know that uh, he he was uh, uh, one day he might be like this and another day he might be. So right, I noticed right. this as a young person. Uh-huh. And then, of course, when uh, Mama Katie had uh, the um, uh, the Okolapa Hospital for the first time uh, that was being built and all, and uh-huh. she headed this committee. And so, and we went as teenagers, we would go to sell programs and all the young girls, uh, most of them were the pretty girls, and I was because mm-hmm. I was a relative, and I, I liked doing these things. So we would go there, and then uh, General Nguyen would be there, and Mama Katie, and then they did these things with uh, where they had these raffles, and then if the raffle uh, won, you can win uh, the uh, uh, going sitting at the table with one of the uh, pretty. Uh, women and uh, my friend Louisa Benson was one of them, and there was a movie star and all these things, and so they they that that and I I but I I did see his personality uh, mm. as being that way. So I used to say to my parents, uh, maybe he has this bipolar. I used to say, mm. and they said, oh no 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 no, he's he's just military man, self-made and so forth. And he will be doing great things for the country. So that was a caretaker time. And then everybody loved the army. Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. as far as I know, because, you know, there was regimentation, which I later realized, but because of that, the city was clean regimentation. So every house bring out a broom, sweep the streets and so forth. And then they built these restaurants along the Strand. And we loved it. Uh, you know, many people welcomed them. And uh, so things were very good. But then, of course, then we had the, um, the elections and right. uh, so on. So the, the next person, uh, General Nguyen, uh, General Aung San, and uh, did you say uh, Unu? Or? Yes, yeah. Unu, Unu, uh, definitely uh, very close uh, with my parents. Mm. Uh, in fact, as a child, I would go into the compound, the Windermere compound, and uh, uh, spend quite a lot of time there when my mother was helping uh, uh, the Unu's wife <clears throat> with uh, foreigners who came, you know, visitors who paid call on her and all mommy would help uh with uh, you know setting up this and uh, like there were two or three other uh wives of the ministers who came but my mother on her own because she was not a cabinet uh, my my father was not a cabinet uh, member he was just the attorney general but uh, would do that and unu would rely a lot on my father for all these buddhist things and particularly when they had the the fifth buddhist synod you know where we convene this um very important uh, uh, Buddhist uh, meeting. And so my parents were both involved. But I, I do know 
Uno very well, very gentle character. And always mm-hmm. we would have some talks. He would laugh at me because he would step over these ants and all. And I said, why are you stepping? He said, mm. no, 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 all living things. He was like that. He lived that kind of life. Mm. He was exactly that way, very gentle. Right. And I, I used to think, how can you be a prime minister? How can you rule a country, you know, which is that uh, we had insurrection here and there. I was mm-hmm. thinking to myself, when you are such a, you know, you should mm-hmm. be in the uh, Sangha instead right. of that. And um, that's how his life was. And yeah. uh, he, he was that way. And I, I, I went into the compound and I know um, Tomia Yi, his wife, and uh, mm-hmm. who was, uh, who was uh, very uh, it, it, the opposite. You know, she, she oh. was strict and this and that, but he was like that. So I, yeah. I, did, I did grow up seeing uh, all these things. And then uh-huh. he would do these cultural, uh, they would, um, and then the minister of culture, which is, you mentioned him, his father was, I think, minister of culture at that time. Mm-hmm. And they had these um, cultural visits exchange from, uh, from overseas and these uh, from China, from, mm. from India and all these people. And we, go to these shows and it was really beautiful time. The country was going through this. Mm -hmm. I thought was a a very, well, I had a very good life anyway, because my school was a leading, you know, everybody uh, thought of the Methodist English high school as being, uh, uh, whenever we have the matriculation exams, the first, the person who stood first in the entire country would be from the Methodist school. And so on. So they were. We were very much, uh, you know, engaged in in education and very well thought of school. Mm. And so, in fact, they had to start afternoon school soon after that as well because there were just so many uh, people who wanted to enroll. And so um, that was that part of it. So I did know that, and I, I uh, then Auntie Tokinji as being very organized, uh, very disciplined person. And General Nguyen with his highs and lows that personally I saw. Mm. And, um, then, of course, Unu is a very gentle, very gentle person. He lived that life and he brought up his kids like that also and so forth. But I remember vividly one time when we had these uh, people about 10 years into independence. Uh, it was a big thing for Britain. Mm-hmm. So uh, there was a Burma-Britain thing, the Houses of Parliament and all that. And my father was was uh, asked uh, by UNU to represent Burma at that time, Britain-Burma mm-hmm. thing. And uh, I think he was the deputy uh, leader of the delegation. I'm not quite sure who it was. I, the leader might have been the um, Chief Justice, um, or I don't know, but I do remember I accompanied my parents to uh, to London and we sat, uh, you know, with the children of these uh, parliamentary members and so on. And then, then my mother uh, went into the banquet with Lord Mountbatten and my father with Lady Mountbatten and all these kind of things. So I saw mm-hmm. all, all of that, the pomp and the splendor and all this kind mm-hmm. of thing. And then I think, before that or after that, uh, there were these visits 
from from Britain. The they would bring their children, I suppose, and then uh, Ulenu, as I call him, uh, would ask me to go to the compound, into the prime minister's residence compound, and uh, and uh, kind of like socialize with these young, you know, members. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. children. Mm-hmm. And I, I also I recall very vividly. Unu had this a long um, kind of uh, a, a building, but it was like more like a corridor. Mm-hmm. At the end, he would have the the uh, the Buddha, uh, the altar, and with everything there. And that's where he would meditate. He would mm-hmm. walk back and forth. We we call it Xinjiang Shaoke. So mm-hmm. he would walk back and forth, back and forth. That was his territory. And so when these kids were there, and myself too, we would, you know, play around in the garden and we'd be served tea and all that. Mm-hmm. We all had the British way, you know, our mm-hmm. yeah. staff would be wearing gloves and everything. And so we would do that. And these kids, of course, uh-huh. would like to peek into this Unu's um, long uh, way he would pray, I guess, is meditation. And mm-hmm. we were not allowed in there, actually. But, well, seeing they were foreigners and all, the staff said, okay, you may go. So they would go. And they wanted to touch, you know, all the shrine, the head of the mm. Buddha, uh, Buddha image and all. And then I remember Unu's uh, son, I think Koal, I think the younger son would tell me, he would call me by my first name and he would say, hey, you can speak English. Go tell them you can't do that. <laughs> yeah. so I would say, no, don't touch, don't touch. And then, uh-huh. you know, then we would all come out and all. I remember that also. Uh, mm. But uh, Ulenu, uh, he was very sweet about it. He said, oh, yeah. it's and he said, I'm so glad, Malay, you are here because, you know, these children, they did it because they didn't know and so on. So um, those years, I remember, I recall knowing all of them closely. Um, they were very good years. Mm. <laughs> it was unlike what happened in the next, you know, decade yeah. after that. So that I can recall about those three personalities. Yeah, sure. So, and then getting back to Aung San, after uh, Burma was able to gain independence, he asked your father to work on the constitution. That's quite a big yes. responsibility that's put on his shoulders. So, uh, awesome. I know that you didn't get to meet uh, Aung San directly. Yeah. You met, you you were quite yeah. friendly, as you mentioned, with his widow. Yes. Um, but obviously your father and Aung San must have been close for Aung San to rely on him and trust him to do that. So what do you remember of your father's impressions of Aung San as a, again, the stuff that the history books don't capture, you know, who he was as a person, what the relationship was like, what came out. And then beyond the relation with Aung San and and his, and Aung San's personality and, Mm -hmm. and what he gleaned from that, just this process of writing the first constitution of a newly independent country. What was that like? Mm-hmm. I I do remember a little bit about uh, my father and my mother uh, uh, saying that uh, mm-hmm. this is a very important uh, time and he's very important to Burma and uh, with the Tamador and that we need the Tamador, which was like after the uh, 30 comrades and all, which I mm. also, Buyanai uh, and all now we are by marriage uh, related as well but Buyanai mm-hmm. and 30 comrades and all and but uh, my I think my father and mother really 
uh, liked uh, Aung San as a person mm. because uh, they felt that he would always say it right to the point, blunt, mm. you know. He would say, and the only thing that is a bit different uh, from the others uh, who were working for independence was that um, uh, he could be quite uh, use uh, these abusive words, you know, when he's referring to maybe the Japanese or the Chinese or whoever, and he would speak that way. And uh, my, but my my father said we need him so much. And then I think, uh, as you were saying, the trust, I think, has to do with the fact that uh, my father was also um, uh, looked upon as, uh, you know, as a young man with the Buddhist principles, I think. Mm, That's right. why I think, I think General Aung San uh, thought of him that way or because my father was not a politician. He didn't, you know, belong to any mm -hmm political party uh, he was the only one was the uh, young men's buddhist association which was also very active in the nationalist movement and then also um uh the the he, general Aung San seemed to trust my father because at that time too uh the british uh, were saying that uh, uh you need a representative to you know because we we didn't have our own our own, I don't know what you call it, a legal, the, uh, all of the, the most important cases would have to be uh, resolved or settled in Britain. So we still didn't have that capacity. So my father was the uh, constituent assembly. He was the representative, Burma's representative to this assembly, uh, which is an all over over powerful umbrella kind of thing, and so uh, General Aung San, and that's why, whenever they had the cabinet meetings uh, <clears throat> in the secretariat, which is like a kind of a, a half moon thing, you know, where you you have two levels of this round thing, and General Aung San sit mm -hmm. in the in the middle, and then my father, the next level down, uh, he is there on the right-hand side of General Aung San, uh, always, you know, as an advisor to the then Constituent Assembly and to the then government, I think. So um, that I know that, uh, that he was uh, an important person, even we realized that mm -hmm. because he was uh, looked upon as the legal, because, you know, uh, Burma uh, under the British, uh, and then soon after that, when the nationalist movement came, and then we had all the various nationalities, as we call them, the Shans and the Jins and the Kachins, and all wanting their autonomy, kind of, I think. And uh, then uh, they realized that we have to be a union, a union of Burma. So I, I, mm -hmm. I do remember that was one thing uh, projected very strongly by, by the leaders at that time, that we needed, because we had the Karen's insurrection on one end, that was happening. And then, uh, then of course, we had the Shans who were, I think, personally, uh, when I was growing up, uh, well, I grew up with uh, uh, the children of the first president of, of Burma, Soshi mm, Thai. Soshi Thai, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. Soshi Thai. So, you know, we grew up with Eugene and Ying and... Uh, mm. 
Eugene passed away. He was my colleague in doing this activist work even. Mm-hmm. And of course, Han, the young boy, is is now continuing. But um, um, so those years, and um, they felt that there needed to be a union. And so they that, that was the first president. And of course, the Dr. Ba'u and then Uwe Mao was Koran. And so I was all... We were all very close with uh, with all of them as well. Mm-hmm. So I knew mm-hmm. these people also personally, and uh, so and uh, um, I knew more. Uh, I was uh, because uh, Soshita is already old, and and he he was uh, not going to uh, be uh, uh, socially going with us kids. But uh, mm-hmm. Mahadevi, his wife. Uh, was also uh, influenced me on the way how she carried things and how she did things beautifully. Everything presented, you know, the Shan food, the way they did this. And I was very, very impressed with her. And we used to go to the president's house uh, to swim. They had an indoor pool which unfortunately the army blew up and all that. So it's all gone. So we used to uh, go there as well. So um, uh, I do know that my father was, uh, was looked upon as, uh, as an advisor by Soshitai Sawaji, call him Soshitai and Auntie Mahadewi also who took care of us. She was the one that sent the car to took, to send me to have my hair permed and all that, you know, mm, those yeah. days, uh, that kind of thing. So, um, yes. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I noticed that it was, uh, they were building, a, a very, very young, uh, democracy. And I'm so sorry that, uh, you know, all of this crumbled because the military yeah. wanted the power, you know, yeah. because, uh, I think things were going all right. Then, of course, we had our, our first problems with the, um, you know, when we had the breakup of, you know, we, we always used to say, uh, we used to say, even when we were young, don't ever put two or three Burmese together mm-hmm. because you, you're you going to find out that mm. they will sit there and argue. Mm. Unlike we say, like the ties are very quiet and he won't do that in those days anyway. Uh, but the Burmese, they were very uh, spirited, independent, mm-hmm. and always wanted to have their own say, and you couldn't agree. So then you can see that's happening, you know, not mm-hmm. only among Burmese. Well, Burmese, when you say Burmese, I mean, who's a Burmese? Burman. I'm a Burman, I guess. Uh, but um, my mother has relatives who were uh, part of the, not the Chinese, but the Nonyas, you know, the... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the Muslim Chinese uh, right. women like that. And then we had those kind of, and my father, my father, of course, can be called a real Burman because his family started in up country, central Burma, and they had a very bad life. So they got on these big sailing, we call them Yuetli in Burmese, and mm. they all came down to the Delta to find another, a, a better life. Mm-hmm. And then they became landowners and, and so on and so on. But I still have relatives up country, which is mm. a very desolate kind of, you know, country. And we used to um, laugh at them and say, oh, these people, they are bumpkins, you know, country bumpkins. Mm-hmm. They don't know anything. But then when you look at our Sangha, 
uh, I realized that uh, like 90% of our well-known writers of the uh, in the Buddhist world and all these big siados all came from that area. Right. And so, um, you know, we used to say that. But um, so in Burma, we had all this thing. And, and, and the lower Burmese are saying bad things about the upper Burmese as being yeah, yeah. Not, not so sophisticated and so on. And so we have all these also and in our writings. Uh, when I became interested in, in education, um, I realized, too, that we had a lot of this racist remarks. Hmm. You know, um, about uh, we have proverbs that uh, then when Unu came, uh, he wanted to address those. That's one of the things that uh, Unu in, of course, he was into religion and people were laughing because he was building sand pagodas or Mm -hmm. things like that. But on the other hand, he wanted, and I remember that uh, Burma and Thailand, the relations were very strained in the 50s, I think, and mm-hmm. even before that, those few years. And Ulenu sent my father on a goodwill mission to Thailand, mm. and we were invited. And my mother was ill at that time and couldn't go, so I went with my mm. father as a young girl. And the only place that... Uh, that was uh, had a big hotel was the Ratnagosan Hotel in in Bangkok, mm-hmm. and that was the big hotel. Well, we already had the Strand, you know, mm-hmm. and we had all these uh, department stores, Tiju Miles, Row and Company, etc. Uh, Bangkok was kind of kind of very quiet and didn't have mm-hmm. all these things that we already had. Mm-hmm. We had these bookstores, Smart and Mukadam, and and so on, Central Sports, and so on. And we, we were, a, you know, a thriving uh, Asian city. And then when we went over there, it was kind of drop, and so on, and so on. But the one thing I remembered very vividly was that we were uh, we were. Um, uh, welcomed uh, in an official way with flowers and everything. And then they had this entourage. And then when we stopped to get out in the city, we had the Thai flag and the the Bama flag together on the uh, these official limousines. And uh, mm-hmm. then Thais that would go by uh, would, when the cars were stopped and we got out, would spit at the Burmese flag. Uh, mm. Bama flag at that time. The, wow. the, the feelings were so bad at that time. Yeah, yeah. So actually, my father went there uh, on a goodwill mission, Buddhist mission. They said, mm. goodwill Buddhist. We only mm. did it like that. We had an audience with the king and everything. I mean, they welcomed us. But the feelings of the people were really very bitter against the Burmese. And so Unu had uh, talked to... Um, uh, my father and also the other educators, I think, through the ambassadors, that if if we would uh, remove the atrocities of the Burmese, you know, what is, what was it, 15th century or something, where we went, you know, UTI and all this, and, mm. and, and, and uh, remove that uh, and say that, you know, uh, that we we are not to project these atrocities that in time of war it happened you know how uh, how uh, how uh, 
how bad, how how evil, how bad the Burmese, the Burma army at that time was. And uh, it was also, uh, they were told, it's all history. So, you know, as a goodwill gesture, would you remove these? So I think they did. I don't know exactly, but uh, was kind of successful. And at that time, uh, General Nguyen also would go to play golf and he was friendly with the uh the the thai uh, generals and so forth mm-hmm. so uh there was this and uh, as chief of staff and uh i think unu had talked to him also and so forth i i don't know what happened later on but i i do remember that when we were there on an official capacity, that was feelings were very, very high and against the Burmese at that time. So I remember that as well. Hmm. Right. And you mentioned the Pinland Conference. That's very important in terms of the nationalist movement, independence movement in Burma, where Aung San was able to gather a collection of, uh, of, of some ethnicities. I believe it was the... Um, Yes. The the Shan, the Chin, and, and yes. maybe the Chin that um that signed on and uh, agreed to try a federal democracy for ten years with the possibility of succession after that. Of course, the Karen famously didn't sign on for that, and the Karen insurrection mm-hmm. happened thereafter. But basically, Burma's been in a civil war ever since then, yes. and um and so the Pinland Conference has been really controversial and has been looked at in different ways according to different times and different perspectives as to uh, what it accomplished and and where it fell short and, and everything else. And so as someone whose father was actively involved in that conference and the aftermath of that conference, because in, you know the conference is what allowed Aung San to then go to England and say, look, I meet the British demands of saying I, I have uh, unified aspirations from these, these different ethnic minorities, and that was the impetus that allowed for independence. What do you remember of that conference and your father's role in it and um, what, how he regarded it at the yeah. time and then perhaps over the years? I don't know if his opinion changed looking back on it. Yes, I, I do um, notice my, my father having a lot of uh, discussions with the Shan, uh, Shan leaders. I think that was the, one of the most difficult part, I think, uh, for the... Um, Karen, I don't remember. I remember uh, Mrs. Bamang Cheng, who was the first woman, I mean, in the cabinet at that time. And uh, uh, she's Karen and uh, Sobau and all these figures and all that. Uh, uh, but I do think, uh, I, I think that uh, the Shans were the most, uh, most difficult to get together, you know, uh, at that time and to sign away their feudal, you know, their feudal system or to do away with that, I think was the most difficult part of getting them together. Uh, But they did finally. But I think in the constitution, there is a clause that they had wanted it. In fact, I think that after so many years that they would become, I I don't, I don't know the constitution that well, but, uh, I think there's a clause, and that's what happened uh, when the uh, there was a, a problem when we had the uh, you know the House of Nationalities, and just like the British system, we had the two houses, representatives, and so forth. Um, uh, 
I I remember that was difficult part was the getting the shans together. But then everybody wanted independence. I know that everybody wanted independence. I heard that, and they were all saying, but to get to agree to that because I think there was a time limit too that Britain said if you you know you have to get yourself all of you together and then only uh, you will uh, you will get uh, independence um, from us and uh, I think at that time was it the Labour Party uh, anyway uh, so um, yeah I remember the, the the negotiations and my father found it very difficult uh, uh, with the Shan leaders, uh, because uh, they wanted out at that time. I mean, I don't know what they were asking for, autonomy or something. So then they all then signed on to make it a federal um, union. And uh, I think that then then they hastily signed it. And uh, I, I, I remember one thing, my father used to smoke cigars, and then he was still smoking a cigar at that time. But then finally, he after that, he gave up and he told all of us that nobody, you know, smoking is very bad. After he'd been smoking all his life in front of us and the pipe and everything. So mm. um, but that, that time, I think um, I'm, I think my mother said that, oh, a Pinlong conference is good because he gave up his cigar, maybe oh, <laughs> I think yeah. something like that. Right. Uh, but um, I don't know too much about that. Uh, all I know is sure. what uh, what I heard about the difficulty with the Shans. I never heard anything, mm. uh, them saying anything about the Chins, but I do know that uh, my parents were very friendly with uh, the Chins also. Uh, Dua, uh, Samadua, Sewanao, uh, and uh, all these other uh, leaders, uh, kitchen leaders, uh, but uh, mm-hmm. and then close with the Karens too and the Shans. But I don't remember the Chins or the Kayas uh, uh, very, very much uh, about that, you know. So mm, uh, right. that's all I know about the Pin Loan, not very much. Sure. Yeah. So, your father was very influential in terms of government and and the role he played, and there's still quite a bit more to explore there. But another role that he played in the country and in the development going forward was with Buddhism. And there's many stories to tell there in terms of how the influence he played within Burmese Buddhism at the time, and these are really the golden years of, of Burmese Buddhism in the 1950s and some of the monks that were coming across then. Before we get into understanding what he did exactly in a Buddhist context, I want to understand his Buddhist faith. And so if you can share a bit about how his Buddhist faith manifested, I'm sure there's the, you know, traditional Burmese Buddhist kind of home life and, and yes. rituals and holidays and and such and customs. I'm sure that, that he probably followed those. But then beyond that, um, this was a time of where lay meditation practice was really taking off. And many people were discovering that they could engage in a Buddhist practice that mm-hmm. wasn't uh, wasn't simply uh, honoring monks or listening to monks or giving to monks, but they could actually uh, cut right into the core of the practice by going into meditation themselves, which, which wasn't really available uh, in Myanmar, really anywhere in the world, mm-hmm. just a decade or two prior. So this was really a, 
a, a new kind of environment to be able to engage in a Buddhist practice unlike what had happened before. And your father was living through those years. He was brought up in the colonial period. He passed through the nationalist period and YMBA, as you mentioned, and the um, and and World War II, and then went on to be a leading figure in government in these 1950s golden years where these mm-hmm. teachings really took off. So what can you tell us about your father's Buddhist life, Buddhist faith, Buddhist practice, how did it manifest for him uh, as as a Buddhist practitioner? Mm-hmm. Um, the very first thing was that uh, his his parents, his father and mother, he was young, the youngest and only boy. And uh, he, from young, uh, he had this spirit of, of giving and helping his mom. His mother told me that we were seven years of age and uh, they had to row across uh, a pond, a lake, uh, to go to the market. And he would accompany the the one member who was in the house who would go shopping, who would go marketing every day or so. So he would go do that before school. He would go and he would bring back. And so he was very much... Uh, looked upon as a, a good, you know, boy. And then he did mm. all the Buddhist things. But I think uh, his years of uh, uh, being, looking really into this religion might have been his years in Sri Lanka as well. Mm. Mm-hmm. I think Ananda College, you know, it's a Buddhist college. We didn't have anything in Burma that, you know, we had the monasteries. And, and then when they were young, as he did when he was young, instead of kindergarten, they would go to the, to the uh, monastery, you know. Mm-hmm. The monks would bring them up. Those were the monastic schools. It's loosely woven. So he did have that. And then, of course, his own family. And then when he went to Sri Lanka and he was in uh, the um, Anada College and so forth, and he 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 quite believed in it in, in, as a way of life, he used to tell us. You know, Buddhism, it's, and, and he used to tell us, you know what, mm-hmm. this is the religion. And because we were, we were studying the Hundred Year War and all that, in, you know, in history and school and so forth. And he said, this is the religion in which uh, uh, we never fought a war. Well, he's not. And then, of course, later on, we know that in Sri Lanka and all that. But, but yeah. in those days, he said, this is the only religion in the world in which a war was never fought. And uh, as we later on, we among our, you know, siblings, we used to say, ha, 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 that's what he said. But, you know, look now. Anyway, so I, I think going back to that, I think Sri Lanka had a lot of, and he had a lot of ties. I remember as, as we were growing up, and I do recall too that uh, when uh, we, um, we, uh, the had the the tooth relic over, and uh, uh, the Sri Lankan government uh, was um, very gracious to allow us to for people to to uh, pay their respects at the tooth, the Buddha's tooth from Candy. So my father and my mother, myself including, I was second. We went on the. On the British, um, we went by sea on one of these Bibby lines, uh, Leicestershire, Worcestershire. I don't know which one was it that we went. It was, I think, like a three-day thing to Colombo. And then uh, taking the same, I think, another Bibby line uh, ship back, uh, we 
um, we brought the tooth relic. And my father, again, I think he was a deputy maybe of uh, probably at that time, I think the Chief Justice uh, Uthain Mao, mm. I think. Um, I remember this Uthain Mao is very strict and very grim and, you know, he sees uh, we wouldn't dare, uh, you know, run around in front of him. I remember even on the boat um, and my, my father. But my father, of course, uh, being the younger person, he was always the one who was doing this and that and so forth. So then we went in, in Candy. They had this big uh, thing, you know, with the elephants and all that. And then they sent these drummers as well, the Candian dancers, the drummers, along to with the boat to to come. Uh, I don't know how long, maybe a week or so, that uh, the uh, tooth relic was was uh, there for people to come and and pay their respects uh, to that. I remember that my father was very pleased that uh, he. Uh, could go back uh, and uh, to his home where you know mm. he grew up and all this and uh, so on, and mm. uh, so that uh, was one of the things that I remember. And of course, uh, my father was uh, then he was the uh, secretary general of the Buddha Sasana Council, I think, which mm-hmm. was maybe a little later on, and uh, a general secretary they call it of uh, the uh, and my my brother after when my father came back out from jail after one of the coups, uh, he too uh, uh, did that, but um, was uh, assigned as, uh, he took that uh, position as uh, with the Buddha Sasana Council. Um, mm. So we did that. And then the next, and of course, during all this time, uh, I know that he was really deeply into uh, Buddhism as a way of life because that's mm. what he taught us. He said, you know, uh, you don't have to go to any uh, kind of a Buddhist uh, a place, a stupa or anywhere mm. to go and pray in front and just recite all these that you don't even know what it is you are reciting. Right. He said, I, I would like uh, you all to know the essence of Buddhism. So he mm-hmm. had um, a tutor for us. And I think he, he may have passed away, but he was a leading um, in his own uh, area somewhere, Kamayo, where I don't remember. And every day we had lessons with him. Our Burmese lessons, uh, he was our tutor. But then uh, when he first en- come to the house and he comes, we have to fold our hands together because this was lost. You know, the ties kept this on. Uh, mm-hmm. But we had uh, lost this custom of folded hands and greeting people. We only do that to the monks. But in right. this case, you know, whenever he came, Uke Maungji, his name was, he would come and then we would have to do that and all sit around and, mm-hmm. and we do our lessons, a tuition or something. And he would also f- recite when, when we wish him. Well, of course, uh, Burmese people say Mingalaba, but we have to say Pawatutaba Mingala. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it has a much more, that that's how Mingala came from. So we always right. would have to put our folded hands in. So my father made sure that even he was busy and my mother, uh, they had us uh, to be brought up, you know, with, with understanding. And I, of course, being the oldest, I would accompany my father on his missions to, uh, for instance, he went to India. And I was a teenager and uh, I would listen to his lectures 
Mm. And I, even though I didn't really pay attention, I mean, I, I did get most of it. And so it was later on I realized uh, how how valuable, how important uh, those words, uh, you know, were at that time. But I just heard, so if somebody asked me, uh, what is uh, Buddhism? I could say very clearly, oh, we have Theravada and Hinayana mm. and so on. And Theravada is like this, Hinayana. But at least I could do those things uh, because uh, I went and I went with my, accompanied my father on these uh, missions where he was invited to, um, you know, these places. Um, and I think the highlight of his Buddhist uh, among the missions might have been to the um, the Soviet uh, states at that time, Latvia, Lithuania, and oh, wow. Latvia, Estonia, the three, the three. And then he came back very much uh, encouraged that Buddhism existed there. And in fact, later on, the monk from, I think, Latvia, or Latvia or Estonia uh, had had to leave the country because of uh, of uh, discrimination or something. The two of them left, the older mm. monk, the younger monk, and they left and they they wandered around and they ended up in Thailand. Mm-hmm. And then they wanted to come across to Burma, and my father facilitated them to Whoa. come to Burma, invited mm-hmm. them, and mm. so and then. And then housed them at my mother's monastery, which oh. is uh, on the Shredagon Pagoda on the first pavilion. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there if you go up the pagoda before you reach the very top pavilion, there are there's one in the middle pavilion, and mm-hmm. there we have monasteries and you know little buildings and so on. And my mother's parents had this. Uh, this uh, monastery and but it was uh, one part of the monastery was the monk that my mother had from her hometown Pyundaza and he was there so these these monks uh, were in the basement I think in, of this it still exists now I don't know hmm. if the government took over or what and um, so the two of them were there mm-hmm. and then whenever this monk the younger monk went with the begging bowl um they were being children were teasing because they were wearing these robes that were not like the pongis that we have. Mm. They are different. They had mm-hmm. these orange robes, and you know it was mostly a uh, uh, very Western style thing. And mm-hmm. so um, they were being sometimes kids would throw things and all. And my father was very upset about that. And uh, then, then this younger monk, he he was a pianist. Mm played the piano beautifully and he had uh, invited this monk to come and teach us, give us piano lessons as well. And at the same time, my mother could, you know, give them the morning meal sort of. Mm. The old monk was, was there and he couldn't travel very well. And, and they wore beards and all when they came. So for me, people, this was really, uh, not not something very very strange very so yeah. i i know my father uh was uh like uh, you know that religion and they are buddhists and they escaped from this communist country and here mm-hmm. they are and so on and and he had talked to the religious leaders also and they all agreed that this is a good thing and uh, mm. so uh, we did that that's one of the things that i i remember my father 
good faith doing this. And as we grew up and we, we, mm-hmm. we did know these uh, two uh, monks uh, that came. And uh, that was the first time in my life that I, um, well, we had geography, but, you know, Lat- Latvia, Estonia, Lithuania mm. were not in my mind. I mean, you know, I, 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 we knew Yugoslavia, but mm-hmm. we didn't know that. And so um, uh, that, I would say, would show that my father's uh, deep feeling uh, as a broader, you know, part of that, not centered, that Buddhism. Mm-hmm. And another thing that he, he was upset about uh, with um uh, my mother was that uh, my mother would also be uh, having the astrologers come over, for instance, and those people who say, you know, we have the sight, we can hear, we can, you know, all these things. And my father never believed in it. And he, he laughed and he said, you know, mm. it's just a waste of time. And he mm. said, uh, Buddhism is not that. And mm-hmm. you don't have all these like what, me and all are doing right now, you know, propitiating the deities or the 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 um, the the gods or something, the nuts as we call it, the spiritual beings and all that. So my mother didn't actually, of course, propitiate them because uh, her family didn't do it either. But she was interested because you know a lot of people came and said, oh, you know, this person can tell you. What's going to happen 10 years? My father said, nobody can tell anybody. Mm. Just listen to the Buddha and you've got mm. to practice yourself. Nobody's going mm-hmm. to, you know, tell you ahead. We don't know. That's why we want to make sure that wherever we are in the next life, that we would, if you want to have a better life or something, you practice and you look into your own mind or some things like that. We also heard that, but we didn't pay attention. So my mother, and even um, uh, she would go to these napways, you know, these where they have these, uh, uh, these women or men, men, and they would drink, you know, and then they dance. These are these uh, uh, things that, that they have it in the each of these uh, little uh, villages or towns or outside of Yango. And uh, my mother would hear and somebody would say, let's go. And then she would like to go. But my father prohibited her from doing that kind of thing. Don't even go. He said, how can you say that person uh, is going to be able to have a clear mind when he or she is drinking and they dance and then the people give money and then they ask questions. And that person supposedly is possessed by the spirit and the spirit is sprouting up, you know, whatever it is you ask or where's my dead husband or things like that. So my mother would secretly go a few times and my father, if he found out, he would be very angry with her and he told her not to let us do these things as well. So, but we didn't take these seriously anyway. We, were, we went to the Methodist school and we didn't even think about it. We just laughed at these things and we, we thought it was funny, you know. So that was one of the things. And uh, then, of course, um, whenever he went on these um, goodwill missions on religious missions. And he was, I think, in Nepal. I think it's the coronation, I think. Of course, I, I wasn't invited to go, just my mother and my father and so on. So my father felt that uh, then the World Fellowship of Buddhists uh, 
Uh, when that uh, happened, he was one of the founders of the World Fellowship of Buddhists. And uh, I did meet and uh, knew quite well uh, Dr. Malala Sekra, who also is a Buddhist leader in Sri Lanka, in Ceylon. And uh, he and my father were um, very good friends. And also from somewhere like in Malaysia, from Penang, because my father felt that they're you know, they, uh, because religion was there earlier on and it should, you know, be revived. So they represented also uh, from uh, Malaysia, Penang, and very good friends with my father and doing that. And in, in saying that, the uh, Seattle, I mentioned Penang, Seattle, he too uh, did very well when he did this, um, you know, when he went, when he went as a, as a monk, uh, Seattle over there, and in a predominantly Muslim country, he was able to uh, set up this uh, pagoda, build a pagoda and a temple and all that, and bring the uh, you know the Malay the 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 people to uh, to be uh, Hinayana Buddhists. You know, I mean, uh, to be because they were mm. mostly ancestor worship, you know, the Chinese uh-huh. way and so forth. So, so those are the things that I, I saw and I lived through with my father. And of course, when he went to mm. 1958, when he went to the United States and he came here with my mother and then, then he was, it was quite an honor to represent the five great religions of the world and Buddhism. He represented Buddhism and there was Hinduism, Judaism, Christianity, Christianity and something else, I forget, the five great religions of the world. And that's where he gave the address uh, to, uh, one was in Chicago and the other one was in Star Island, New Hampshire, I think. Mm. And uh, this is the book that, um, in fact, I wish that I could uh, uh, distribute this, uh, this lectures because they, they are... When I'm reading them, I haven't really studied it, but I should be reading it well. And it's called Buddhism, uh, the Religion in the Age of Science, something like that. And the Penang Seattle had a reprint, um, and he sent many copies, and he distributed these copies uh, to all the Buddhist uh, places. But um, there were a lot of typos. Uh, it was done in Penang, and uh, the first one was done by in Sri Lanka by a Candian, uh, I think it's called the Buddhist uh, Bible Society or something. So um, that's that's something I, I must do before I die, because it is my mother's wish. Mm. Uh, she told me uh, that she would like very much for daddy's, uh, this, these lectures uh, that are very valuable, and she would like... Uh, me to, you know, see to the distribution of that, which is something that I, I should address. Uh, I haven't had mm-hmm. the chance because I have to do other things in my life, and so uh, that's one of the things. So, um, yeah, my father gave us the foundation and the grounding, and he also, I think, helped shape the lives of quite a lot of uh, people in Burma, and of course, uh, Mr. Gohinka, one of them. Uh, hmm. Gohinka was one, just one. Uh, we he wasn't considered really a foreigner because uh, they they lived in Burma. They they grew up. I think he was born in Burma. I forget, but uh, and he um, 
My father met him, and、uh, I knew him from、uh, his visits to the house. He would come, and in the tradition of that, he would bring us a lot of sweets and all. You know, this is what we do if we go somewhere. We would take whatever, and then so he would bring, and、uh, was nice, tallish,、uh, handsome、uh, person. And、uh, then my father told us that oh, you know, because my brother, my younger brother, also had this uh, uh, this headaches.、Uh, what do you call them? The the headaches.、Um, Migraine. Migraine headaches that were not like the regular headaches. I suppose my younger brother had that too. So my father said that when Mr. Goinga said to him, "Oh, you know, I've gone so many places, and here in Burma also, I've tried so many things, so much medicine, modern medicine, etc." And、uh, Daddy. Thought that perhaps he could do、uh, this meditation, so I think he he introduced him to Uba Kane's、uh, meditation center. I think,、um, and uh, so uh, I I'm not familiar with Uba Kane's meditation. Only Mahasi Siados, because that was.、Uh, A fun place too. As children, we would go there and we would、mm. run around. And the Seattle was also very nice, smiling and you know talking to us and all that. That was nice. I didn't like religion where we would have to you know be far away from the monk.、Mm-hmm. The monk cannot can only tell us, and we can't say anything back to the monk. That kind of thing. So I I never liked that. But anyway, Uba Kins.、Uh, From my friends would tell me that oh very strict you know you have to breathe in breathe out and this and that and I said oh no I don't think I want to do that so I never、mm. did get to Ubakins、uh, but my father、uh, then of course、uh, I heard that Mr Goinga later on、uh, that was long before my father passed away too that Mr Goinga. I thank my father that it was the only way that、uh, this migraine. Left him、uh, because of his、um, meditation and so forth, and so now we know that he has set up、uh, so many, and、uh, they are, you know, they, and he's doing such good、um, things for the Buddhist world by, you know, by talking about his own experiences and and what it is that, and also that Buddhism is not a, you know, hocus pocus or or that, you know, if you. Pray a lot,、mm-hmm. you will get this or something. Yes, but uh, uh, th- those things、uh, I know that、um, uh, some of the good things that my father did, and、uh, mm, so, yeah, um, absolutely. And the Buddhist synod. Excuse me, I'm I'm sorry. I wanted to mention that a convening of this、uh, this very important、uh, meeting, and so that that was also what he participated in. Mm, and so, staying on Sn Goenka and Siajubakin for a bit, have a few questions about that. I know that practitioners in that tradition are are listening with、uh, on the edge of their seat. I think because this is,、um, I mean, this, this this can't really be understated or 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 underemphasized. This the the importance of what you're describing here. I mean, you're talking about your your father in his position. Knew a young Indian businessman who was suffering from these migraines, and also knew of the great Buddhist teachers that had different programs and methods and styles. And he was the connector. And by you know serendipity, by karma, by fate, whatever you want to call it, he, your father, was in this nexus. 
where he lit the match that Goenka would go on to sit the course and then play this major role in the worldwide mindfulness movement. I mean, any listener that is paying attention right now that is from the Goenka tradition or even from an offshoot mindfulness tradition that benefited by the Ubikin um, Goenka mission that was then launched after the 1950s, uh, your father was the one that initiated all of this. Without him, this connection wouldn't have been made. So this is an incredible moment just to sit on and consider and reflect the uh, the, the incredible importance of of how this came to be. So with that in mind, I'm I guess my first question, I'm just wondering, uh, I think that in those that follow Goenka and see Goenka as a teacher, they know him as an older, mature, um, uh, well-practiced mm-hmm. uh, meditation teacher, a meditation practitioner who has already developed from, you know, the, the, the path of how of all of these courses and following all these instructions. But you and your father met him before he ever took a course. I mean, indeed, your father was the reason he took a course, was the, the, the introduction to that yeah. type of teaching. So did, did you meet... Goenka before that first IMC course, or in talking to your father, what impressions can you give us about, you know, the pre-meditation Goenka? Mm-hmm. Uh, what was he like before he ever sat that course? Yeah. What What do you remember about him personally? I I, I remember him as he's uh, uh, fair-skinned, and he was a young, uh, as you say, businessman, and uh, who was very um, attractive in and. Spoke and you know mm. uh, things like that, and he would come to the house, and uh, and my father and my mother welcomed in some Buddhist tradition, and the Burmese way would welcome him, and he would bring his gifts of you know on a tray of I don't know I I want to say sweet meats kind of thing and all mm. and uh, very pleasant and but I also remember that my father uh, saying to him, uh, you know, we have so many different uh, ways of uh, meditation centers here also. And and mm-hmm. uh, why don't you try? I don't think my mm-hmm. father really uh, knew that, oh, if you go to Ubakins, his is the only one that mm-hmm. helps you. I don't think there was that. Right, uh, right. He just said, uh, why don't you try Ubakins? Because... I I have a feeling that uh, you, because your concentration or something like that, because mm. of this migraine would go away, mm. uh, not scientific, but, you know, why don't you try? Because at that time, we also had the other uh, meditation centers, as I told you, Mahasi. Oh, sure. One yeah. for Wamasi is very big and very, yeah. and my mother uh went to meditate there also afterwards that was uh, Goinka was the earlier years and my mother didn't go to Ubakins uh, but always went uh, to this one and I wondered you know why didn't go because Ubakins was supposedly from what I hear very strict and Mm. And uh, the other meditation uh, over at uh, the other monastery was mm-hmm. was uh, was good, but many of the wives, you know, of the cabinet wives and many of my mother's friends went there. And I know also in the later years when my mother went, I would go and drop her the food. They had the food there, but they didn't quite like the food, you know, what was given there, what was cooked there. So we mm-hmm. would 
you know, bring offer food. And we, we said we gain merit by bringing food for those people who are meditating, so on. So, um, yes, uh, I uh, I was very surprised later on when um, Mr. Goenka uh, became a Buddhist leader and that mm. he gained so much from Ubakin's uh, mm. meditation center, which... I do know my father said, why don't you try this one? <laughs> why don't you try? I mean, he didn't insist because he, I don't think uh, daddy never went and uh, sat for uh, any meditation. He never had the time uh, to do it. Uh, you know, he, they were very busy with the years uh, of the new government and, you know, all of that. So um, that I remember. And Mr. Goinka, uh, mm. very wealthy and all I know because he would come with the driver in the car and all that. Oh, right. and he would. So I, uh, that's all I remember, very polite and all that. Mm. But later years, much, much later, after my father passed away also this as i told you by marriage uh, boyan nai who was one of the 30 comrades his wife mm -hmm. uh, his wife uh, became very much uh, you know uh, into this uh, how to i think teach meditation through this uh, mr goinga's method and in fact she was one of the teachers of meditation i think mm following this uh, and I think that may have been also influenced by my mother to um, uh, the wife of Boyanai and and so on so there is that connection that was long mm. after my father passed and then long after you know uh, but but then by then Mr. Goinka's um, method a way of uh, meditating, or his meditation took on a life of its own with all yeah. the teachers opening and, you know, people studying actually and mm. how to become teachers for this. And she was one of them. And Did I, you, um, you know, as you saw Goenka's mission starting to grow, were there any, were there moments where you like pinched yourself and you were like, my father started all of this? You know, my father is, I mean, obviously he didn't do, start the mission, but you know, your father set, started maybe is the wrong word. Your father set in motion what has become a worldwide phenomenon. It has reached, Dhamma has reached, the Buddhist teachings have reached to places in the world through Goenka that it's never reached before in human history. And do you ever have a moment where you just pinch yourself and you think, my father set this all emotion really i have to laugh because you know all this was going on and then only recently in the last 10 years or so i suppose when i had this uh in my mind the mission of setting up the first uh uh theravada buddhist uh temple monastery here in northern virginia and um i came in touch with this one monk and he came here on a visit and a uh, long story. And then um, he, um, he was from the Kabai uh, uh, Buddhist uh, university. He was mm -hmm. a graduate of that as well, a youngish mm -hmm. uh, one. He came mm -hmm. and then he was here and so on. And so then we were able to establish this um, monastery here, register it and so on in the Commonwealth of Virginia and all that. And and so then he started having these, um, uh, these uh, every week, you know, so to keep us to go and uh, do the sermons. And then uh, 
then when I opened one of these books and all that, and I was looking and he says, oh, this book is, oh, and Uchanton uh, was the one and so and so on of this, of this uh, book and so on and so on and uh, prayer book. And uh, so I said, oh, I knew my father was, you know, always involved with this, but I said, oh my goodness. Then every one of these books that I opened, they had my father's name also. And then also these things that came up and people talk about Goenka and people like even my friend uh, Kit, for instance, she was going to go and then she read about it and she said, oh, you know, your father, your father was the one who introduced uh, Mr. Goenka. And so mm. now only, lately only, I must admit, I'm thinking, oh, yes. Yeah, he did do that in, in all these prayer books and all. And people, the older, and the, all the monks would come for a visit here also, uh, where some of the monks I know by name. And so they would look for me and I would see them. And I would, and we would always go back over and discuss. And they would say how much they are indebted to Uchanton mm. for doing his uh, part of it, you know. Uh, right. Uh, bringing Buddhism, uh, the the real Buddhism, as they call it, to, to people and how much it is needed now when we don't mm. have anything to hang on to, they said. Uh, now with these things happening in the wink of an eye in front of us, the coup, the killings, the, the yeah. everything, and that yeah. this is only thing that we can hang on to you know, and uh, we mm. can't do anything for our relatives either. You can only do this for yourself and how, you know. So now only in my old age, I mm. begin to realize um, the importance and the work, uh, the work that he did for the Tadana Sazana. And uh, yeah. I fully appreciate so much now. And, uh, you know, as I say, I... I um, I hadn't paid much attention to this, uh, to tell you the truth, because it all happened. And yeah. we're all living, you know, uh, Buddhism. It's a way of life. I go to the temple. I go here. We have Sunjui at home. We feed the monks uh -huh. and, you know, things like that. It's a way of life. And yeah. so here, you've got to look for it <clears throat> to, to learn, to have to do it. Um, that is why when I set up, help set up this, mm. uh, well, we don't have money to do it or you need money to do anything anywhere. Uh, but we got together, you know, uh, friends of friends. And so, and now we have the monastery. It's, uh, it's not near my house anymore because we couldn't afford uh, to rent or to buy. So it's in uh, Noakesville which to me is like the end of the world. It's just kind of far. It's mm -hmm. like an hour's drive, almost an hour's drive in, uh, I don't know if it's Prince William County or somewhere. So, um, yes, uh, that is one thing I felt that I was able to do, you know, in memory of my parents who had given us this, you know, uh, this grounding and uh, had helped so many other people. And this is one way uh, that I could do. So I helped set up this and I'm still the president of the association. And uh, mm -hmm. so um, I, that's a little thing. Yeah. I'd like to um, just uh, ask a couple of the questions about this connection between uh, that your, your father played in being able to introduce Goenka to Seajubakan. And I think there's, you know, I, I also just want to venture. I think there's probably 
a number of dedicated Vipassana practitioners around the world that have come to learn meditation through the tradition of SN Goenka that are listening now that are probably some of them something in awe and something in just gratitude that, you know, they're learning about this one action role that your father took on that has delivered the technique to them, has delivered this practice to them. This is no small thing. And um, and going off more on that interaction and your father's role in that, you mentioned a bit about how familiar you were with SN Cuenca as a young businessman pre-meditation coming to your house Mm -hmm. and, you know, just describing him as a, as a generous, jovial fellow, bringing some sweets and being charismatic and and quite friendly and easy to talk to. Mm -hmm. Uh, after he took his meditation course, did, did you meet him after that? Did you meet him right after? Did you meet him in the years after? And what changes, did, if, if you did meet him, or perhaps if your father was was connected to him and told relayed the information to you, what changes in his personality and behavior and, and character and such? Did, was there anything discernible that was, that, that was noticed after he started taking these courses? Yes. Um, I just uh, remember Daddy saying that... Uh, uh, that Mr. Goinka uh, had uh, been cured, you know, he had uh, <laughs> right. yeah. no longer suffering from mm. it. And uh, that he's done very well. And he said to us, uh, look, uh, what can be accomplished and all. That's why he always is talking about uh, our, uh, the, the uh, religion as in this kind of meditation and uh, thinking as being scientific, you know, he always Uh wants to tell us then. And we always used to think that was like, Oh, you know, what is he talking about? That kind of thing. Uh, We, we we just listen because, you know, we, we really don't talk back, but uh, in our household though, he made sure that we ask these questions if we want Mm. without being yelled at or say, don't ask or something. So, um, yeah, that was one thing mm. that he, he said that, oh, it's very... Uh, so I, I wondered why, because I'd heard Uba Kin's, um meditation center very strict, you know, mm. and uh, that people have to be like, uh, you have to stay like like uh, meditation centers where a retreat, but other mm. retreats where, you know, in a big uh, open area, blah, 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 mm. sort of thing. But um, this was like, uh, you know, being in in, in uh, confinement or something to mm, me mm. and uh, I said oh I we thought that this young man this uh, man Mr. Guinka uh, he must be really uh, strong and and we would joke by saying oh yeah of course he's not Burmese that's why he can do it because we always say about mm. <laughs> putting three together we can't get along and we you know we're we're happy-go-lucky people you know mostly and and we don't do these things kind of thing and uh, so we didn't really take it that seriously uh, yeah yeah. That's that's really interesting. So we've been focusing a bit on your father's relationship to Essen Gwenka. I want to ask a question about your father's relationship to Sayaji Ubakin. Uh, Ubakin has a, a similar background to, I think, to your father's trajectory as well as some of these other young Bamar leaders at the time or middle-aged Bamar leaders by this time. 
uh, Ubikin came from extremely poor backgrounds and based on the academic prowess that he showed, he was, he ended up getting a full ride scholarship to, Mm -hmm. um, to St. Paul's and that led the way for him to develop an education, which got him as a clerk in the accountant general's office. Mm -hmm. Uh, he was, uh, this was mostly staffed by Indian workers at the time, pre-independence. The Indians didn't really want the Bamar around because they wanted their own kind there and they, they would, they would haze, the Indian workers would haze the Burmese yeah. to be able to drive them out. And Uba Kin was the only Bamar worker that was able to withstand this hazing yeah. and remain as a junior clerk in the office. Then after independence happened and the Indians Indians left the government and many went back to India and were repatriated there, mm-hmm. uh, Uba Kin was the only Bamar, he was a junior clerk, but he was the only Bamar left standing in the office. And so mm-hmm. by that account, he was named the, account, the, the accountant general. And then went on to head other departments, one time simultaneously heading four departments in the government in the 1950s at that time. And so he was also a key minister in these pivotal 1950s years. And um, and I, I'm I'm wondering with your your father also involved with mm-hmm. the the workings of government and, and some of these key leaders. What relationship did he have formally to Ubakin? How did he work with him as well as informally as a as a Buddhist practitioner? And Ubakin was doing something really quite revolutionary at the time as being a layperson that was trying to offer med- meditation courses, strict meditation courses, in your words, very, you know, very um, uh, quite a lot of discipline and instructions. And was was starting to launch this somewhat new initiative. So, as far as your your father goes and his personal professional relationship with Uba Kin, what can you tell us about that? I I don't uh, know. Um, I, I never met Uba Kin, but mm. uh, my father had always uh, taught uh, thought of him as being uh, this disciplined person and how he he made you know self made kind of a person and into religion mm-hmm. into in religion that he were that uh, he, he his father was not a monk or you know some people who had some background like that right, right. and he said that he did very well uh, in becoming uh, that kind of a person and uh, then uh, my father always had a big respect uh, for the meditation uh, per se as 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 the answer to your life, you know, where you mm-hmm. control your discipline. My father was a very disciplined person also. I see. Right. You know, get up at this time, you do this, mm-hmm. you do that, mm-hmm. and all that kind of thing. So uh, he tried to tell us about that. And Ubake's name was always mentioned by my father and my mother, mm. and they're always talking, and they're always sending their friends to uh, Ubake's oh, really? meditation center. Yes. Mm. Uh, they would refer. They said you have to, you should go because Ubakins, and I think it was somewhere out in the suburbs as well. I mean, not too far from where we were. I think we were uh, in Yamyang. Yeah, Yamyang. Uh, I remember Yamyang. And uh, at that time, uh, we were living in the government house, which was the the first Burmese person to live there. It was the home of the uh, of the Chief Justice of of Burma. It was always. Um, uh, inhabited by 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 the British uh, people, mm-hmm. 
and it had a huge uh, compound and a beautiful house. It's a, it's what you would call a mansion now, I guess. And then we had a, a, a one place, it's a library and all that. And then, of course, in those years, 1950s or so, uh, we had to have a barbed wire all around it because of mm-hmm. kidnappings and all that. Mm-hmm. Kind of we had guards. Oh, wow. We had mm-hmm. guards there, yes, four uh, from um, the Gurkhas. Uh, Gurkha mm. guards and uh, they, we had a big staff place in there. That's where they stayed and so on and so on. But I, I, I know that my father had great regard for Uba King. I, he, mm. he must be younger than my father. I don't know. When my father passed away, he was 82 years of age. He passed away in 1988 mm. before the uprising. Uh, he didn't see the, you know, what happened. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he didn't see. So uh, he was, uh, yeah, he was born in 1906. So, yeah. Mm. Uh, but uh, I think Upa came maybe younger than him or, or they are the same age. I'm not sure. But I always hear about this Upa came being vibrant and all that. That's mm. why in my mind, he may be younger. My younger sister, who um, then, of course, uh, earlier on in my years, I left the house to get married very young. Uh, and uh, my sister, my younger sister, would remember all this because when my father mm-hmm. would have, after the military released him, he had these Tamabada classes, you know, at home for relatives and friends. And mm-hmm. Tamabada, he had one teacher come. And they would would learn the Tamabata at home, and so um, yeah. But I know I have no uh, connection with Uba Kin, and I don't know. All I know is what yeah. I hear from my parents, and then in regard to Mister Goenka as well. Do you know why your father recommended Uba Kin? You mentioned that there were a number of different teachers and centers yeah. operating at that time. Do you, do you know if he offered Goenka like different options and Ubekin was the one that chosen or, the, or no, Ubekin was the one that Goenka chose or did he specifically no. say this is the one you should do? How did how did it come across to recommend that tradition particularly? Right. It, it's curious because, you know, as I told you, my mother uh, went for meditation. I mean, she stayed there weeks at a time uh, at the, the Masi. You know, the oh, Mahasi, okay. place. Uh, and Mahasi place is a big, uh, you know, it's a big compound and it mm. had a big Sima, the ordination hall and all this kind of thing. And Mahasi Siaro himself uh, was there and all the time, but he didn't recommend. For one thing, I think because um, Ubaki uh, was uh, more uh, proficient with the language, maybe English or something. I, I'm not sure. Then uh, Mahasi Siaropia, uh, you know. So I think that's one thing. And the other thing, too, is I think for somebody uh, like uh, Mr. Goinka, who had gone through everything, as he said to Daddy, I've gone mm. to Europe, I've gone to this, I've gone mm. to, you know, mm. medical, you know, science, I've gone to this hocus pocus things too, and, mm. everything. and nothing seemed to have worked. So mm. I think my father said that. Uh, in his mind, that this would be the best fit, I think, because right. there were other meditation centers, and of course, primarily uh, with Unu and the wife, yeah. the cabin, everybody was going to Masi, you know, Masi, mm. uh, Masi's way of uh, meditation, and so on. So, I think that may be it because of the discipline mm. and the fact that his was a I, I don't want to say serious because I, yeah. I, 
I, I, I'm not knocking uh, Mahasi sure, sure. because I don't know much about it to say this, but I think that uh, maybe the reason that uh, Derry felt that uh, Ubakin is the one that would, uh, you know, that would be best mm. to guide uh, Goinka. Mm. And then did did your father? You, you say that he passed away in uh, in the late eighties. That was when Goenka's um, mission had taken off by that point, but it certainly wasn't anywhere near what it became. Did your father was he aware in his older age what Goenka had gone on to do with that technique, and how did he how did he regard that? Yes, he was because I hmm. remember he was saying, "Oh, look." Uh, you know, anything is possible, you know, mm. anything is possible. Uh, and you can just see Goinka. Look at Goinka, this mm. young man who was not Buddhist even, you know, he was mm-hmm. Hindu and uh, who was, uh, you know, the Hindu community. He was, uh, I think, Goinka's family, being business- businessmen and rich, uh, they were leaders of the uh, the Hindu, you know, community. We had right. large Hindu community and we were very close to the Hindu community because at that time, my father was doing something about uh, the, um, <clears throat> and during Eid time, uh, not Eid, uh, during Ramadan, before Ramadan mm. and all mm. that, and for it, uh, how they would take the cows, you know, mm-hmm. and, and slaughter them, and that mm-hmm. was uh, that that was mer- meritorious deed for them, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So my father had organized one thing with the Hindu community, uh, a, a film where they filmed these cows that were being, you know, herded off to the slaughterhouse, and they literally had the cows. Uh, crying you see mm. these eyes on the, we saw this uh, mm. and he would show and he said you know killing how killing is bad something. and he worked I don't know what it is called but somewhere I wish somebody would look for this um, with the Hindu community and that's why I think one of the reasons my father and Mr. Kohinka came to meet is because my father oh, was very active with mm. the Hindu community, uh, doing things against the, uh, not against, I shouldn't say that, for, for uh, the people who were being, you know, the, the Muslim, the, the inheritance mm. laws and their laws, where they marry the Burmese women, you know, three and then leaving them if they don't have a, a you know a boy child and all those things mm. I remember and how that religion is affecting a lot of people because there were poor people poor people uh, mm. given in marriage to the parents uh, especially in the agricultural community and so my father for awareness he worked with the Hindu community to bring about this uh, this. Uh, kind of behavior uh, that this religion uh, was bringing to the people and how uh, we have to do the inheritance laws and all that. Mm. I I know it had to do something with the legal aspects of it too. And that's the reason that my father was very close to the Hindu community. Mm. So that's how uh, Goenka, I think, met my father is through all these uh, all the work that my father did with the elders of the community there, and so you know he was he was not a Buddhist. They had their own Hindu temples, and they did their own things. And uh, you know we would also uh, take part in the 
the eating part of these festivals and, you know, we would right. go and we would take part in it, but we never uh, were, you know, uh, uh, that way with the, uh, with the Islam uh, community. Although many friends uh, would bring, uh, give us a lot of bring food and stuff whenever they have the eat, you know, they bring great big uh, Tiffin carriers with the food to us and all, and uh, and I think uh, those years influence also my parents in the later years uh, mm. to not eat beef because they did right. in the beginning, uh, but then uh, we didn't. And and my father told us that uh, that is one thing, and of course he told us in the sense that the cows were our friends and you know how we need them in the agricultural uh, part of it, all the farmers and all the kind of thing he used to tell us so that we won't just be against, mm. you know, that. But um, no, I think with Goinka, it was through the Hindu uh, community and the awareness my father was doing that he met him. Mm. Uh, and uh, then Goinka approached him uh, to help him because I think he was at uh, wit's end as to what else to do uh, as he was getting so, you know, sick with this uh, uh, migraine. Yeah, I'd, l- I'd like to actually read something that Goenka wrote in his later years reflecting on this period and referencing your father. He wrote, yes. quote, um, It was 18 years ago. My physicians in Burma advised me to get myself treated in foreign countries. Otherwise, there was a danger of becoming a morphine addict. I was suffering from a severe type of migraine since my childhood, the intensity and frequency of which had increased with the years. Even the best doctor in Burma had no treatment for it, except that he administered a morphine injection whenever I suffered from an attack, which came about every fortnight. This was certainly not a treatment. That is why they warned me against there was a danger of my starting to crave for morphine, not because of the headaches, but because of my gradual addiction to it. Mm-hmm. On their advice, I made a trip around the world, around the world for months together, and was under the treatment of some of the best doctors in Switzerland, Germany, England, the United States, and Japan. Yes. But it was all in vain. It proved the sheer waste of time, money, and energy. I returned no better. At this stage, my good friend, Kalyan Mitra, Uchantun, who later became a judge on the Supreme Court of the Union of Burma and president of the World Fellowship of Buddhists, guided me to Sayaji Ubakin. I shall always remain grateful to him and shall keep on sharing with him all the merits that I accumulate while treading this noble path. So that's something that uh, yeah. Goenka said about your father. How does it feel hearing that? Yeah, it, it's it's wonderful. I feel so good. Uh, I wish mm. my mother more than my father would be here to hear this because mm. she was always well, she was the one as a as a hostess in the house when Goenka would come. You know, mm, and right. bring these sweet meats or whatever on these trays. I remember. Um, then she would then whatever it is that she would send from our garden, maybe papayas or I don't know what, but things like that. At the exchange of that, and my father, my mother would welcome him and. Uh, and all that, I remember my mommy would be so, you know, pleased and uh, I have such a good feeling to mm. to hear this kind of thing, you know, about my father. So, yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Did, and did you ever happen to know Leon Wright? No. Leon Wright was a, he was an African-American diplomat in the 1950s who was a Christian, but he learned from Ubekin and he was also appointed a teacher when he came back to America. And he was, I don't know if you know Ukole, but Ukole 
um, had resisted learning meditation from Ubekin or anyone because he was kind of this modern Burmese that had thrown the shackles off of traditional Buddhist experience. Mm-hmm. And when Leon Wright was giving a, a seminar on what he learned from Ubekin in Washington, D.C., Ukole happened to attend mm-hmm. and was amazed that there was this American diplomat who mm-hmm. had gained a better understanding of Buddhist practice than he had. And that sent Ukole to take a course at IMC and developed his friendship with Ubekin. Mm-hmm. And Ukole, the name is very familiar. What 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 did he do? Ukole was another one of these figures, like all the ones that we're talking about, including your father, that had grown up in colonial Burma, had had gone through the nationalist and independence movement, and had uh, through you know had come from humble origins and through uh, working hard education and. Um, and taking advantage of new opportunities that weren't there before, was able to take on a number of roles. I I know that he was rector of the University of Mandalay. Uh, Ukole did a number of other things as well. But then, uh, as is the case with others, once he got into meditation, and, and he was involved in Mahasi as well as um, uh, Ubekin, uh, he became, um, I don't know exactly what he did or what his role was, but I know that he was a, a big supporter of both Mahasi and, and Ubekan and one of those big names that's out there. He's the uncle also. I mean, Burma is such a small world, you know, he's, uh, everyone's related. Yes. Um, he's the, uh, the uncle of Mathanagi as well. Oh, oh, thank you. Oh, I see. Thank uncle. I see. I'm- yeah. Thingy. Yes, I know her very. I I don't know her very well, but I I do know her. Yes, and the reason maybe I don't know too much is uh, Mandalay, uh, because the the rector of uh, Dr. Tiang and all were when we were growing up was the rector of uh, Rangoon University, and he wrote many books and uh, mm. you know uh, folk tales of Burma and uh, that that whole family uh, is very uh, well educated and and so on. No, no, but right. the name is familiar. That's why I'm cool. Right, and then then of course Sashway Thaik, the first um, president what? of Burma, the the Shan. Yeah. The referenced he was also a practitioner at um, at IMC and a good friend of Ubekin. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, uh, Sawaji. He was old, as I remember, when he became mm. the president. And um, but uh, uh, the Shans uh, respected. He was Nyang uh, Shui Sawa, and he was very much respected also. And there's many children. We all grew up together, and. Uh, yeah, the those names are all you know coming back. It's so many years ago, and uh, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, yeah, yeah. And so, um, so we we've spent quite a bit of time talking about the Subakin Goenka connection, which is quite important, and I'm glad that we we spent the time on it. Uh, but this was also a golden age of Buddhism and of meditation practice in, yeah. in Myanmar, these 1950s. And much yeah. of that was spurred on by the Buddhist faith of, of Unu, which, of course, is as much as he did to open up the, um, the practice and, uh, and to encourage not just traditional ways of Buddhism, but also more modern, uh, you can call it modern Buddhism or Protestant Buddhism and, and the, science, the science behind it and the actual meditation, not just the faith part. He did a lot to sponsor different initiatives to take off. Also, um, that it's also controversial. I know that there were Shan Buddhists that felt that uh, that that their type of Buddhism was was uh, being a bit overwhelmed. There was also the Kachin rebellion started because Unu wanted to make 
Buddhism yeah. the national religion. Um, yet at the same time, Ubikin's career took off because the, the 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 way that Ubikin started was that there was a government circular that was passed by Unu that was encouraging ministers to be able to have shrines and Buddhist shrines in their public office. Yeah. Uh, and not just shrines, but to hold precepts and even have Dhamma talks. So Ubikin took advantage of this. And that was the origin of IMC was the, the initial uh, Dhamma talks and then later meditation courses on the weekend that would happen actually in the accountant general's office. Yes. But in this whole milieu and whole environment, you you don't just have Ubikin. You, we've already referenced Mahasi, but you you have this golden age of of Burmese meditation oriented monks. You have Webu Sayada, Monyan Sayada, Sunlun Sayada, Mogok Sayada, yes. all these huge na- giant names that have uh, have since established their traditions that still exist to this day, and that have you know, in some cases have literally millions of followers, and in some cases. Uh, have gone outside to dozens of countries around the world. So involving, concerning these real great monks, these famous names, these giants of meditation practitioners, uh, which of these did you or your family or your father start to have contact with? What can you tell us about personal encounters that you had or that your father relayed or your mother even um, that, um, that put you in proximity to some of these real great giants of the mindfulness movement? Um, I don't remember all the names. Of course, Mahasi Syaro is one of them. And then when we went uh, overseas, when my father went on these Buddhist missions, so it always uh, we accompanied uh, the leaders would be uh, the uh, Syaros and so forth. But I remember the um, when Unu was, uh, when you brought up this about the state religion, uh, he was... Um, he wanted to uh, make uh, Buddhism the state religion. And we yeah. have a lot of uh, different uh, faiths, of course. And, and we do, even up to this day, celebrate, you know, Christmas and uh, and the Muslim uh, festival and the Hindu and all these kind of things. But uh, when uh, Unu uh, was going to do that, there was, um, uh, he set up, a, I, I suppose, an investigative uh, kind of thing. And the mission was, it was again headed by uh, the uh, uh, the Supreme Court Justice, think Uteng Mao, and my father was the deputy. And we went on this boat. They still have that boat. It's a beautiful boat, all up and down the Irrawaddy. And we stopped at all these places and uh, it was arranged to have meetings with these Buddhist, uh, with, with these Christian leaders or Muslim leaders or Hindu leaders or leaders to to talk about uh, the religion as being uh, how important it is, uh, I suppose. And I, I was on that boat uh, with my parents. My mother was there too, my father and uh, the other members. And so we stopped it and talked to all these uh, mostly Catholic uh, uh, leaders and so on and so on. And uh, I, they, of course, uh, I did not see any kind of like uh, any big discussion at that time when I would go with them and sit in and listen. Uh, they would tell this, the government's part of it, why we need to have this as a state religion 
and uh, what are what listening to these other religious leaders and that i didn't find it, it was mostly very uh very good you know they would go and then they would have these talks and all that uh but then on the other hand i do um i i felt uh from my uh friends and all that uh uh the 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 feeling was that we don't need uh a state religion because uh, we we have buddhists uh and what 98 99% are all buddhists so why do we want to make it official was yeah. by the younger people i think of my age uh were just they weren't too uh, bothered about this whatever happens they they they're okay but uh, this was the feeling and i i personally I think that was a wrong move uh to mm. go but we there was a lot of money spent because we went on this boat it was a beautiful boat I think they still have it um do they keep it for uh, official visits and so forth um and oh. uh to go but but uh he did uno did the right thing by conferring with all the religious leaders because uh-huh. we definitely have a presence of you know the missionaries has established uh, uh, quite a lot of these uh, we we can only look at Judson Chapel in Rangoon uh, to uh-huh. me also and my friends who are Christians and and Catholics and of course uh, Catholics we have all these uh, all these churches as well but um um that was my my feeling but i mm-hmm. i was part of that and i'm i'm very uh i feel very uh very good that i you know i was there when you know when this historic thing was uh, was going yeah. on this plan so to speak uh, but yeah. um i i didn't think too much because i was at the age where you know i didn't uh, to me it was was a beautiful trip uh we were hosted everywhere we stopped uh with uh, you know drums and all this and you know uh, really very uh, welcome by that and then the names of these uh the siados uh i cannot ukoida uh, all these names uh, come to my mind but uh I can't pinpoint exactly which one but all these siados mm. yes uh, we did I did grow up with with those siados closely in fact as I was saying the pinang siado upinya wanda vamsa i think pinya vamsa he when he did the missionary work in pinang and all that and i didn't pay attention so when he came to the united states uh, before he passed anyway he was he was looking for uchanton's daughter and he remembered uchanton's daughter older daughter he said i would like to see where is she so he asked my, and my friend said oh yeah of course and then they mm. and then they contacted me and they said oh pinyawanda i uh, would like right. to with you i said i do remember pinyawanda but i i said i had no idea that he was in penang set up this mm. and so on so he came to the house and uh we we talked and i went to see him and sadly uh he set up this big building and had a, a kind of a school which the government took over confiscated and i went there and he was there i think in 2018 uh or so when i went for my uh when i was teaching uh the uh, the program uh training teachers and i went to see him because he was there and it was sad 
his own building, the one he set up himself. Beautiful. There were grounds. There was a big, tall, three, four levels, elevator and all. And he was only in one room on one floor because mm. the rest was under the military. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, you know, these things, and that was very depressing. And that was the last time. And then he came uh, to the U.S. also, and he set up one in on Long Island. And mm -hmm. uh, I went to uh, see him pay my respects. And then he was not feeling too well. Um, and then he went back and uh, then he passed. Uh, but he his legacy is very great. Also, and he had done this uh this achievement in the Muslim world to mm -hmm. be able to have this temple in Penang, mm -hmm. huge one, and, and mm -hmm. have all these people, Buddhists, and he have the nuns as well, Buddhist mm -hmm. nuns as well. Mm -hmm. So yeah. uh, because nunnery was another thing that my father felt very strongly about because it was a dying we'll thing. And uh, it, it was gone in Thailand. He always regretted that uh, in Thailand uh, that there were no nuns, mm -hmm. and, uh, that we still had a vibrant uh, kind of a nunnery uh, nuns there. And I myself was uh, a, a nun. Uh, we I went into the nunnery when um, when I was about eight or nine. And uh, that was the uh, that nunnery is still in existence, and and my parents help uh, with them. Not only my parents, but Unu and other people also. And they took in orphans, actually young young girls or maidens. And none of the uh, married women were were being initiated there. Only those who were we call them mm. nephew, uh, mm. means uh, the little ones. Uh, and uh, that's how, and I was there also uh, along with Unu's uh, young daughter, younger daughter, and uh, I stayed the longest <clears throat> and I didn't want to leave because it was so mm. much fun. You had so many, you know, your age and running around and we learned our scriptures, but we, uh, we were allowed time to play too. So <laughs> I liked that very much. So I, I really mm. did have a, a background of, uh, uh, you know, growing up a uh, true uh, Buddhist, uh, Theravada Buddhist uh, background, right. I yeah. must say, I was fortunate. Boy, that is, all of this information is just so valuable and so insightful to know. And I realize we're about at the two-hour mark, and we're probably only up to about 1961 or so. We've yet to get to 62 and 74 and 88 and 07 and then 21. There's a lot to talk about in terms of the role that your father would play during these moments and then the role that you would play in it, and as well as your commentary in what happened in going from a a colonial state mm -hmm. to World War II, transitioning into a rocky, uh, semi-democratic period in the 1950s, and then terrible decades of being closed off in military, military dictatorship. I think to, to really do justice and really make sure that we get a proper understanding and give time to, to tell these stories in the way they deserve to be told, I, I would propose that maybe we, we pause at this point and come back and put this into a part two and to be able to um, 
to continue this conversation and uh, and continue to tell this story of you and your your peers and your father and invite you to come back and continue that conversation. But uh, for now, this is this has just been so enthralling and so wonderful to hear your words and stories and all of this. And I just thank you so much for taking the time and joining and generously, graciously sharing your time and your stories. I thank you also very much for bringing light to not only Buddhism, but to uh, some of the events that have taken place in, in Burma. So I thank you so much. Many listeners know that in addition to running these podcast episodes, we also run a nonprofit, Better Burma which carries out humanitarian projects across Myanmar. While we regularly post about current needs and proposals from groups on the ground, we also handle emergency requests, often in matters that are quite literally life or death. When those urgent requests come in, we have no time to conduct targeted fundraisers, as these funds are often needed within hours. So please consider helping us to maintain this emergency fund. We want to stress that literally any amount you can give allows us to respond more flexibly and effectively when disaster strikes. If you would like to join in our mission to support those in Myanmar who are being impacted by the military coup, we welcome your contribution in any form, currency, or transfer method. Your donation will go on to support a wide range of humanitarian and media missions, aiding those local communities who need it most. Donations are directed to such causes as the Civil Disobedience Movement, CDM, Families of Deceased Victims, internally displaced person IDP camps, food for impoverished communities, military defection campaigns, undercover journalists, refugee camps, monasteries and nunneries, education initiatives, the purchasing of protective equipment and medical supplies, COVID relief, and more. We also make sure that our donation fund supports a diverse range of religious and ethnic groups across the country. We invite you to visit our website to learn more about past projects as well as upcoming needs. You can give a general donation or earmark your contribution to a specific activity or project you would like to support, perhaps even something you heard about in this very episode. All of this humanitarian work is carried out by our nonprofit mission, Better Burma. Any donation you give on our Insight Myanmar website is directed towards this fund. Alternatively, you can also visit the Better Burma website, betterburma.org, and donate directly there. In either case, your donation goes to the same cause and both websites accept credit card. You can also give via PayPal by going to paypal.me slash betterburma. Additionally, we can take donations through Patreon, Venmo, GoFundMe, and Cash App. Simply search Better Burma on each platform and you'll find our account. You can also visit either website for specific links to these respective accounts or email us at info at betterburma.org. That's betterburma, one word, spelled B-E-T-T-E-R-B-U-R-M-A.org. If you would like to give in another way, please contact us. We also invite you to check out our range of handicrafts that are sourced from vulnerable artisan communities across Myanmar, available at alokacrafts.com. Any purchase will not only support these artisan communities, but also our nonprofit's wider mission. That's Aloka Crafts, spelled A-L-O-K-A-C-R-A-F-T-S, one word, alokacrafts.com. Thank you so much for your kind consideration and support. May all beings be happy and may peace prevail in the world.